Good morning, everyone. How are we? It's exciting to be back. I think this is the first time I've preached with uh, adults and the kids out there. So it's exciting to be here. Uh, it's been an interesting morning running around. There's always one thing I forget. And so one the thing I forgot this morning is my medication. And so if I start trumoring more towards the end of this talk, you'll know why, because I was supposed to take it as I got up to speak. Uh, but it wasn't in my bag. Uh, so that's life. Uh, let me pray. Let me pray. Father God, we just praise you and thank you for this day. Uh, it's a, it's a, a beautiful rainy day, Lord. Uh, you provide for this land. You provide rain for this land. You provide for our lives. And so, Father, thank you that you have gathered us here today as St. Matt's, this community of people who are looking to learn from you this morning. And so please speak to us through your word. Speak a word into our lives, wherever we're up to. Father, I don't know where each of these guys are coming from today, but you know where they're coming from. And so speak your word into their life today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if I had an opportunity to sit down with you this morning and got nice and close uh, and said, how are you going? Or like, how are you, how are you really going? I wonder whether you'd say you're thriving or whether you say you're just surviving. You're thriving or you're surviving. Uh, the last couple of weeks for me have felt a bit more survival than thriving kind of thing. Uh, and it can feel like when you're in that place of survival, like this girl here, like you're just treading water. I'm imagining she's treading water. She might be standing up in the ground, who knows. But let's imagine she's treading water and she's treading away and you're treading water and you're just trying to keep afloat. You're just trying to... Well, you're just trying to survive. And when you get into that place, you look to Scripture, uh, to the Bible, to help make sense of your experience. And it does. It does. It, scripture tells us that if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not this guarantee that everything in your life is going to go good all the time. Um, in fact, Jesus says that those who follow him will actually have to take up their cross and follow after him. That, that as a follower of Jesus, you shouldn't expect that you'll have this happy life all the time and should never suffer, but that there will be suffering in this life as, a, as you follow Jesus and live for him. But in the future, just as Jesus was raised from the dead to glory, you too will share with his glory in the future. And so suffering now, glory later. And so now we can sometimes feel like we're just treading water. <laughs> we're just treading water. We feel weak and dependent on God. And that's kind of the normal part of the Christian experience. But what I've noticed in myself is that often when I am in that place of weakness, that dependence, uh, I can start to be it can start to lead to a certain level of apathy, not caring. It can sometimes lead to this sense of complete hopelessness, like what's the use? And, it, and it, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at a bus stop, all right, and I'm waiting for the Jesus bus to come past to take me to heaven. I think, what's the use? What's the use of inviting a friend to hear Richard speak tonight about Jesus, no one ever becomes a Christian. No one ever gets saved. What's the use of discipleship and reading the Bible with people? Things People always sin. They always get caught up in sin and struggle and 
have all these troubles and afflictions, what's the use? And so my weakness and my treading water falls into this hopelessness, this sense of just, I'm just going to wait at the bus stop till Jesus comes back or I die. If you are in that place this morning, then this is a word for you. A word from God, from His Word this morning. This morning we're going to listen to Paul's letter to the Thessalonian church. Uh, the Thessalonian church that he's writing to, they're this powerless, weak group of people who are persecuted, who are being killed for following Jesus, being picked on. And in the beginning of the letter, this is the beginning of the letter to the Thessalonians, Paul's going to do two things. Number one, he's going to remind them of future glory when Jesus returns. But second, he's going to pray for future glory now. He's going to remind them of future glory, but he's going to pray for future glory now. So first, have a look with me from verse 3. We see this reminder that he gives them of future glory. So he says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Okay, this, per- this church in Thessalonica is going through some really tough times. So you've got persecutions, you've got afflictions. And he's saying in the midst of this weakness, their faith is growing. They're trusting God. Their love is increasing. So they're loving each other. This this church is trusting Jesus in the midst of all sorts of difficulty. And as I look at each one of you here this morning with your face masks on, I can see that you too have shown love and faith in Jesus during this really hard time during COVID. It's been really hard, you know. We, We used to meet every week together and all of a sudden you're on these little screens looking at each other over a screen and you don't have Bible study and you feel disconnected. There's all these things that make being a church community hard and yet time after time I have seen each one of you reaching into each other's lives to love each other, to care for each other, to have to trust God. And so like Paul, I thank God for you. I thank God for you. Keep reading verse 5. This is evidence, that is the the suffering that's coming on them. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom for which you are also suffering. And so what Paul is saying here is their suffering as Christians for for following Jesus, their, their persecution reveals that they are followers of the King Jesus. That just as Jesus didn't come and live this glorious life and then go up to heaven, he came and he got crucified on a cross. He suffered so those who follow after Jesus will suffer with him. And he's saying to them, he's saying to them that this suffering that you're going through, it's the mark that you're his. But one day, the suffering will end. One day, Jesus is going to return in the future. And then he says, justice is going to be done. So verse 9, I'll pick it up. They, so he's talking about the people persecuting them or treating them poorly, will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. And so he's saying to the Thessalonian church, you will suffer now, but there will be glory to come when Jesus comes back. 
those persecutors who are coming against you right now, they will be judged. And the powerless, the weak ones, you right now will be vindicated. Now imagine the, the comfort for those Thessalonians. Their suffering now would, would be followed by glory when Jesus returns. And so Paul is saying, you're suffering now, you're powerless now, but you will share in his glory. You'll share in the glory of a new perfect world, a new creation where you will see God face to face, where you will bask in his love and in his grace and in his kindness. That is what awaits you, church in Thessalonica. See, Paul comforts them with the truth of the gospel. That even though Christians are weak and defeated in the world's eyes now, one day when Jesus returns, he will be revealed to be the king of the universe. And so he says, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your weakness, look forward to heaven. Look forward to that place. And so you're thinking, Paul is actually just saying to them, sit at the bus stop and wait. You're going through a really tough time at the moment. You're being afflicted. You're being persecuted. Sit at the bus stop and wait because one day Jesus is coming back. Wait for future glory. But what we're going to see is that Paul doesn't just say, be content by just suffering and waiting at the bus stop for Jesus. Paul says, I'm going to pray that that future glory would be experienced now, now, this is a prayer that I'm convinced we need to pray for each other. That we wouldn't just be sitting at the bus stop waiting for Jesus to come back. That we would pray for his kingdom to come into this world now. And so verse 11, he says, To this end, we always pray for you. First thing I want you to know, Christian prayer is not just wish, wishful thinking. What Paul said, he said, in light of the future glory that's to come, which is a certainty, the certain hope that Jesus is going to return, in light of that certain hope that evil is crushed, that Jesus will be marveled at, he says, we always pray for you. Future glory and weakness should never just breed apathy. The fact that Jesus is coming back again to fix this world should actually inspire consistent prayer. Why? Because prayer is God's means of bringing future glory into the now. This is a new perfected world and we don't see it in this world right now. And so prayer is God's means of helping us bring that future world into the now. You remember the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says to his disciples, they say to him, how shall we pray? And he responds to them, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, as I say that, you think to yourself, all right, but I prayed for my friend to get healed from cancer and they didn't get healed. And I prayed for this and this didn't happen. I prayed for this marriage and that broke up. How does that work? If, if our prayers can, can suddenly bring this perfection into our lives now, then why doesn't it work all the time? Well, I think the reality is because we're in this now, but not yet. Yes, there are tastes of that future glory. And prayer is the means of bringing it in. But it's not always according to God's will. 
Relationships are not always restored. Justice is not always done. People will not always love. But when they are, we are seeing God's future glory come back into the present. And so God's future glory inspires this consistent prayer. And so what are we going to pray for? He keeps saying, verse 11, that our God may make you worthy of his calling. See, these Thessalonians had been called by God. They'd been chosen by God to be followers of Jesus. And they will one day share in his future glory. They'll, they'll be perfected as they meet Jesus. They'll become like Jesus and be perfect like him. And so Paul is praying that that future glory they'll have with Jesus, that perfection, would be seen now as they become more and more like Jesus every day. And so that is something we need to let inspire us. Sometimes you'll think to yourself, what's the use of trying to live a good life now? One day I'll be perfect, so I'll just sit and wait around and hang out for perfection. You know, when I see Jesus, I'm going to be made perfect. So who cares about what happens now? Who cares about the way I live? Who cares? But the perfection we'll have in Jesus should never lead to just being content with where we're up to now. Paul is praying that because we have future glory, because we'll be perfect then, we should pray that now Jesus would change us day by day to become more like him. And so that is God's agenda in your life. That's been God's agenda right through this period of COVID. That's God's agenda for me in this very moment when I didn't have my medication and I had a little panic attack and I thought, what am I going to do? His, his, his agenda for this moment for me and for you is that I would grow more like Jesus, that I would grow more dependent on God, that I, in my weakness, would trust him more. Verse 11. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. And may resolve every and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. See, Paul had already said to this church, You guys are famous. People are talking about you, famous for their love and faith in the midst of persecution. And Paul is saying, We pray that God would give you the power to keep trusting him, to keep loving, to keep doing good, to keep making plans to impact people's lives with the good news of Jesus. And so knowing future glory should never lead to apathy. It shouldn't lead to just, oh yeah, what's the use? We'll just cruise around, live our lives, and one day we'll get to go to heaven. Future glory inspires resolve. It inspires determination. It leads to action, to pursue by faith great plans for God. And so Paul is saying, I'm praying that God may fulfill every one of your plans to honour him. Yes, Christians will walk sometimes in weakness and defeat. We will run evangelistic events where we talk to, tell lots of people about Jesus and no one will come to faith. We will share the gospel with people and they'll be really keen at first and then after a while they just wander off. We will see long-term followers of Jesus struggle with habitual sin. But in the midst of that, there's no place for hopelessness. There's no place for apathy. For the God who is certainly bringing future glory wants to use our prayers that we might have tastes of that glory now. 
that we might actually see people being saved. Hearing about Jesus from the scriptures so that he comes alive in their hearts and their minds and they go, that's, that's who he is. I've heard about him my whole life. You know, I've, my, my parents have told me about him. I've, I've gone to Sunday school. I've done all these different things. But we believe that there's a moment when a person by the Holy Spirit, their eyes are opened so that they think, Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He died for me. And so we believe that that glory can be seen now. People being saved. Christians growing in love and faith. That although we struggle in sin sometimes, although there can be habitual sin that just gets us, that we can have victory over sin. That people are healed. People are prayed for and people are healed. That marriages are restored. That it's not just inevitable that, that if you're having struggles in your marriage that you're just going to go downhill and divorce. That marriages can be turned around by Jesus. Friends, are we as a church praying for God's future glory to be seen now in our midst? Or are we just folding our arms and waiting for Jesus' return? See, I think one of the ways I know I've fallen into apathy in my own heart is when I just don't even have a, I don't even have a plan for the future. I don't even have a plan. And there's a whole bunch of contributing factors to that, isn't there? But, but in my heart, I think the ultimate problem is I just got too comfortable waiting at the bus stop. I thought, nah, this is just all too hard. There's just too many disappointments in life. Things are just too hard. I'm just going to sit at the bus stop and wait. And so I need to ask you, as I'm asking myself this morning, what resolve for good can I pursue the rest of this year? What work of faith can I do to trust the Lord and chase down for Him? Who can I pursue to talk to about Jesus? What new ministry could I start to serve people and love people well? Who could I meet up with to read the Bible? How could I ramp up my commitment to my growth group? God wants us to pray in light of future glory for glory now. Verse 12, so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. See, here's the thing. When we pray for glory now, it's not in order to make us powerful, victorious winners now. The purpose of our prayers for future glory to come back here is that Jesus would be glorified. That Jesus' beauty, that his character, that his grace, that his power, that his everything might be heard as we speak about him, might be witnessed by the way we trust him, might be revealed in the way we hope in him. See, see that is why we walk in weakness as Christians. It's not that God wants to keep us Christians in this horrible place of feeling weak and dependent just, for, just to teach us a lesson. God does that because it's through our weakness that Jesus is seen as strong. It's through our defeat that Jesus' victory is seen. It is through our brokenness that Jesus is seen as the firm foundation. So the reason I'm weak now 
the reason you might be struggling to tread water at the right moment right at this moment right now is because through that weakness God's future glory is seen as Jesus is revealed as the one who holds you up who holds you up that as you live your life people might look at you and think man there's something that holds that guy up and it's not himself there's something beyond him. There's something greater than him. There's a hope that holds him up. To bring glory to God will be found in our weakness. See, that was what was happening in Thessalonica. You had this weak, persecuted group of people trusting Jesus, loving and doing good, bringing glory to Jesus. That Jesus might be seen to be strong. Now, as I say that truth to you, as I hear that truth come back at me, I realise I fight against that truth every day. I, I don't want to be weak. I don't want to have a little panic attack because I don't have my medication. I want to, I want to preach this morning and I want to see every, every person who's here transformed in their life and everyone who doesn't know Jesus converted. I want to have every pastoral conversation and be able to say I whipped it today I came out with a zinger and that person's life is changed I inherently do not want to live in weakness I want to be powerful I want to save people and so the question becomes for me how can I live in that place of weakness how can I tread water trusting that Jesus is glorified through my weakness End of verse 12. According to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, when Christians talk about grace, we're not just talking about the thing that gets you to heaven. You know, the, the forgiveness you have of Jesus, the grace that forgives your sins. We're also talking about sustaining grace. That is, every moment of your Christian life is now sustained, it's buoyed up by, it's held up by the grace of God. God through your relationship with him, God through the work of his spirit, God through, the, through his word, God through the people in his life that he puts around you to encourage you, gives you the grace to hold up so that even though you are weak, you will trust him. Gives you the grace to each and every day become more like him. Now, my sense is that as I talk about treading water, surviving, I'm not alone here this morning. It's not just Kurt that's having struggles. My guess is that someone here, that people on Zoom this morning, are in a place of weakness. And what I've seen in myself is that it can breed apathy and it can breed hopelessness. And so you need to hear this word this morning. I remember two years ago, sorry, two years after I first got saved. So I got saved when I was 20 years old and I was on fire for Jesus. It, future glory was like every day. It was like I'm living the victory of being in relationship with Jesus. And then a guy that I, uh, who came to kind of, was interested in Jesus around the same time as me. So it was about two years later, seemed to be following Jesus all of a sudden completely turned around and walked away. And I was distraught. I was smashed. 
And I remember for that 12-month period afterwards, in a sense, just completely cynical, apathetic, hopeless, sitting at the bus stop thinking, what's the use? And I remember I went up to Katoomba and I heard a, a talk by a man named George Burham, uh, who was a guy who, who'd started an organisation called Operation Mobilisation, or OM. And I can't remember at all what he said. But I remember whatever he said, it struck me. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was smashed. The Holy Spirit came upon me and I was in tears because I realised that that moment when my friend decided to wander off from Jesus, in a sense, although I'd kept going to church and doing the right Christian things, I had as well. I'd stopped trusting that God could save people. I'd stopped trusting that God's glory could be seen in part now. I stopped praying for God to fulfil his plans. I'd become this cynical, apathetic Christian. Um, this morning, I wonder about you. Have, have you stopped trusting the gospel is God's power to save? Have you stopped resolving to step out in faith and love people and trust him? Have you stopped praying for God's blessings to rain down in our church and in our community? Well, I think today, for me, and I hope for you as well, is the day to turn that around. To pray for each other that God's glory would be seen in our midst. That in our weakness, that he might be making us worthy of his calling. That he might fulfill every resolve for good and every work by faith, by his power. That the name of Jesus might be known. That the name of Jesus might be revered. That people might meet Jesus and have their lives transformed. That we might in our weakness live by his grace. That God would do through our weak lives, our treading water lives, more than we can ever ask or imagine. Friends, that is my prayer this morning. And I feel like I've lived it this morning. I feel like I'm living in this passage of feeling weak and yet knowing Jesus is strong. The risen Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, you are real. You are real. And sometimes when we look at our world with the, just, the, the struggle that it is right now, with the suffering that's going on in people's lives and job losses and viruses and a fractured political system, wars, Lord, it can, it can feel like the world is screaming you are not there, but you are real because your son rose from the dead. Your son rose from the dead. He is alive today. And your future glory, just as he rose from the dead, your future glory is certain. And so we, we ask, Lord, please help us to not fight to be strong apart from you, but help us to sit in our weakness and trust you. Help us to pray for you. Help us not to be, have apathy and feel hopeless, but genuinely, Lord, help us cry out to you and say, God, do stuff in our midst. Father, we pray particularly for tonight. We pray as Richard speaks about Jesus tonight over Facebook Live to all the people who are potentially watching and the people in, we pray that people would be saved. That We pray that people would meet Jesus for the first time and that they would put their trust in him and recognize how glorious he is. 
Father, even this morning with the people who are here with me right now, you know those who are yours. And so by your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open their eyes to see how glorious Jesus is, to see how much he loves them, to see how much he wants to know them. Father, please, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would do your mighty work. And we pray in his name. Amen.